It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the Money Guy Show. This is your host, Brian Preston. Hopefully everybody enjoyed their long weekend and enjoyed their Monday off. And you had the same great weather we had down here on the south side of Atlanta. And I want to talk to you today's topic. By the way, this is the Money Guy Show. You can go check us out at moneyguy.com um, to, to pull up our show notes. Also to sign up by typing in your email address up on the upper right-hand corner. You can type in your email address and we'll automatically send you those show notes every time we update it. If you want to write the show, you can um, write me at brian at money-guy.com. Um, that's brian at money-guy.com. And once again, you can go to the, the website at money-guy.com. You know, there's a little confusion. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to start becoming a little more consistent. We're going to start using the money-guy.com as the primary um, website, but we also have moneyguy.com, moneyguy.net. Um, we're trying to lock them all down. But what we're going to be talking about today is I've had some email questions come in from some listeners uh, that I think is a point of clarification I need to make. You know, I did a show a few weeks ago on you need to make sure that your financial planner can spell fiduciary. And, you know, and when you when you hire a fiduciary planner, you're looking for a financial planner that is required by the oaths that they take, as well as by um, the standards they're held to as a registered investment advisor to put their client's interest ahead of their own, um, meaning that the, the advice they provide is not incidental to the products that they sell. And, and I think that's a big point to make because I, I said that a few weeks ago. You know, I did that show on make sure your financial advisor can spell fiduciary, and um, and I got a lot of feedback from it, but I've also gotten some emails that makes me realize that there's a lot of confusion out there about this topic. And um, I'm going to read an email from a listener. I'm not going to give um, – well, Joe is from New York. I'll leave it at that. Joe's a listener from New York, and he wrote, Brian, I really enjoy your podcast show as I take my daily walk each morning. I'm currently seeking to establish a relationship with a financial planner. I'll be retiring in the next three to five years and have accumulated a respectable balance in my retirement accounts. I have a few questions. Number one, I'm currently speaking with a fee-only financial advisor from Smith Barney. Okay, do you start to see where, where the alarms went off in my head when I was reading this this email from the listener? I'll, I'll come back and, and pick up on it if you didn't catch it. The fee schedule they are quoting is 1.25%. It does decrease at certain thresholds. Even if I just put an IRA sum of $200,000 with them now, that is an annual fee of over $2,000. Is that fee fairly standard, or does it pay to shop around? So we'll come back and answer that question for Joe. Also, it goes on to say, number two, how does one best validate the reputation of a financial planner? Will they provide references, or is there some other source to assess their effectiveness? And number, you know, the last question he had listed was, what do you think of Fidelity or Vanguard as a provider of financial planning services? I'd like to establish a relationship with a particular individual rather than talking to a different person each time um, I call the number. Um, I hope this isn't too much. My primary question is, number one, thanks for your anticipated reply. So, Joe, um, me and one of my associates here in the office looked at your email, and we had a great deal of thought. The first thing, and this is why I realized there was a great deal of confusion out there in the public, and rightly so. This is pretty confusing stuff that I want to try to bring some clarity to today. What I'm talking about and what I'm going to focus some attention on is the difference between a fee-based 
planner and a fee-only planner because there's a huge difference. And I think a lot of people get confused because you see fee-based versus fee-only and you really can't tell the difference because they sound similar, you know, and, and they charge in a percentage of assets under management. So how could they be any different? Well, there, there's a lot of things that you need to take into account. And that's why I want to try, to try to bring a little clarity on today. The first thing, and I will tell you, unless there is some new product line that, that Smith Barney's offering, I don't think there's a such thing as a fee-only Smith Barney financial advisor. It just doesn't because, you know, Smith Barney is a wirehouse, a broker-dealer. And, um, and, and the wirehouses, the predominantly, their, their compensation does come from transaction-based business, meaning, you know, buying and selling. They're, they're the traditional sense of stockbrokers. Now, stockbrokers recognizing that a lot of the industry was changing more to the long-term fee relationship have switched to what's called fee-based planning, where now they do what's called wrap accounts, where they will offer you um, loaded mutual funds where they will waive the front-end commissions on those. So you can buy those at what's called net asset value without the commission on the front end, but they'll charge you that wrap account, which is means they'll charge you that one and a quarter percent to manage your money. So that sounds very similar to a fee-only advisor and the fact that because the way fee-only advisors work, that it work under the asset under management model, business model, they charge you also somewhere between one to one and a quarter percent, you know, on, on what they're managing. But the difference is they use no load mutual funds or they can use commissioned or loaded funds as well. Um, but but there's a difference, and let's get into what those differences are. The first is cost of investments, and and what I'm talking about here is if you try to go, and I, I think many of you guys understand this. My personal philosophy is I kind of believe in a modified efficient market theory, which means that if you're buying large companies, companies that are over 12 billion dollars in market capitalization, that's your big guys like Walmart, GE, Home Depot, you know all the companies that are household names. I say there's really only a thousand of those companies in the United States. Meanwhile, there are hundreds of thousands of people like myself that will supposedly tell you how to invest your money better than anybody else out there. Plus, let's not forget about the power of the internet. Let's not forget all those crazy faxes you get. If you own a small business, you know how you get constantly faxes every day from some supposedly you know great stock that you need to be looking at. And then let's not forget about CNBC, Fox Business. There's all these 24-hour news channels that are giving you all the information you could ever want. Now let's go, let's not, you also can't forget about Wall Street Journal, you know, Kiplinger's, Smart Money, all the magazines and newspapers that you can look at. With all that information that you can take in, how could you, with millions of readers, millions of people watching the same thousand stocks, know any more than anybody else? And that's the things I don't think you can in the large company side. So that's why I think we have a very efficient marketplace. And if you can't beat the market, you might want to consider just buying an exchange trade fund, an ETF, or an index fund. And there's a lot of great ones. You know, Vanguard and Fidelity are leading the way in the low-cost index fund market. You know, Fidelity, your, your internal expenses, meaning the, the charge that, that Fidelity Mutual Funds charges you for the transaction cost and, and, and setting up the fund, is 0.1%. That's 15 times cheaper than the average internal expense of, of most mutual funds of United States stocks out there. And then if you have over $100,000 in that one fund, they'll drop that down to 0.08% a year. That's dirt cheap. The problem if you buy on the fee-based model is that sometimes they're not able to offer you 
those non-commissioned like Vanguard or Fidelity funds that have the super dirt cheap internal expenses. So you're paying a higher fee there. Plus, you also have to think about the availability, flexibility, and broad range of products. I, you know, as I told you, on my side of the business, we can buy no load. We can buy load waived mutual funds. I don't think they have that broad range of flexibility and independence to buy whatever they want to at a lot of the fee-based institutions. And then let's not forget, I, did, I left it last on pur- purpose because it is probably the most important thing out there. The difference between a fee-based advisor and a fee-only advisor is the conflict of interest. And the reason I say that is that a fee-only advisor is going to once again have that fiduciary obligation to make sure that they're required to put your interest ahead of their own. They're not trying to sell you products because all they get paid is directly from you. There's no kickbacks. There's no backdoor fees that are getting paid to them. A fee-based advisor not only can charge you what's called a wrap fee, the assets under management fee, but they can also sell you insurance products. They can sell you all kind of other products that can I- increase their compensation and make it more of a transaction-type relationship and thereby creating an inherent conflict of interest. So, so think about these things when you're, when you're trying to figure out what type of advisor. And I just want to make sure I clear that confusion up is um, because there is a difference between fee-only advisors and fee-based advisors. Um, there was a, the other question he asked was, is the one and a quarter percent pretty reasonable? That 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 is pretty reasonable. Typically, wrap accounts and fee-only advisors do charge between one to one and a quarter percent if they're working under the assets under management business model. The last question he asked was, um, oh no, well the the next question was, how do you validate the um, reputation of a financial planner? And I've gotten other emails on this, too. I think you can ask for references. You know, and I've had other people say they've asked for references, and the financial advisors they were interviewing refused to give them because of privacy concerns for their existing clients. And that, that's all well and good with intention. But i got to tell you, if you have a long-term relationship with a lot of your clients, and you probably become, you know, where you know your clients pretty well, I find it – I've done it all the time. I mean, I constantly have people ask me for references – And I I know there's um, a lot of my clients, I can call them up and say, hey, I've got a client that's very similar to you. Do you mind if um, somebody contacts you or maybe I can even give you their number if you don't feel comfortable with them calling you so that you can call them and just talk to them about me as a financial advisor? Because, you know, it is a big commitment. When you hire a financial advisor, you are choosing who is going to be your financial coach, your personal CFO, the one that's going to hopefully help you reach the goals to give you the true financial independence and the peace of mind that comes with that. So it's a big, big, lofty decision that you do not want to take lightly. And if a person can't give you a reference, what does that say to me? On, on Looking at it skin deep, that means that, hey, they're scared to know what their clients are going to say about them. So I would be very leery of anybody who doesn't allow you to get a reference from them uh, of some of their clients. Also, you asked, what do I think about Fidelity or Vanguard as a provider of financial planning services. We all, you can't help but watch a sporting event or even the nightly news without seeing um, a Fidelity commercial that they you can call their 1-800 number and they have a personal advice that they'll provide for you. Um, Charles Schwab has the thing, same thing, Ask Chuck. You know, you see those commercials all over the place. The problem I have, and I don't want to give away too much because we've actually been in discussions with, with some employees from Charles Schwab and others to to continue to grow our firm is that if you are a successful planner working for Fidelity, you know, Schwab, Vanguard or some of their their 1-800, you know, 
you know, call numbers, if you're really good at what you do, why are you going to stay there? I, I mean, it's a simple question, but why would you stay there versus go out and, you know, and, and follow a passion and create a long-term relationship with the people you're talking with and hang out your own shingle someday? And, and I think that's where the problem lies. Sure, you have big, huge companies here that you've got supporting and probably have great advice and other things and are, are and getting some really great people in there working. But I think after they've done it for a few years, build up their skill set, why are they going to keep wanting to work with people on a short-term basis? They're going to want something a lot more fulfilling. And where the fulfillment comes from is actually working with people in the long term of watching them as they come to you with goals, helping you reach those goals, and actually seeing the enjoyment of reaching retirement or buying that family farm or that horse farm that you've dreamed of. That's where, i got to tell you, that's the thing that puts chill bumps on my arms when you think about a client who comes to you six, eight, ten years earlier and you help them reach their goal, and, and you get to see it. I mean, that, that's the fun part of what I do for a living. There's a reason when me and my wife had our child, you know, close to five years ago, we got a lot of baby gifts from our clients. I mean, these are not just clients anymore. They become personal friends that you have a relationship with, and that's the problem I see with the big institutions that are doing these 1-800 numbers, is that, you know, if you're successful enough that you can afford personalized advice, why would anybody want to just have a you know the work the on the phone all day and not get the the added benefit of actually having the long term relationship and that's the part I, it's not that the, the, they're probably not giving decent advice it's just that I think that you're probably going to want if somebody is is going to be in this for the long term and I always say if you go hire an advisor you probably want somebody who's not green you want somebody who's you know had the, had a chance to sink their teeth into this market know what to do when things are bad like they've been for us since really you know September thirtieth. And know how to handle that, how to handle those emotions. And those people typically aren't going to be the young people learning the ropes, working for the big 1-800 numbers that, that Fidelity Vanguard and Charles Schwab are offering. So just my opinion, you know, and, and just throwing it out there, once you, I, think, I think I raised some very valid points on what you're looking for if you're thinking about a long-term relationship. So I hope this helps out. I know this isn't as long of a podcast as what we've done in the past, but, you know, I think it's sometimes it's good to have some get, get in, get out, and get a lot of information and let you move on with your day. But I'm Brian Preston, the host of The Money Guy, and I hope you had a great holiday, and um, we'll see you in about a week. I'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.